0: Hi everyone, my name is Audrey Jane, and I'm happy to welcome you to my first episode of my podcast of A Little Bit of Everything with Audrey. This is a blog podcast of my experiences dealing with my struggles and with my mental health and childhood trauma, and also my caregiving journey from when I was a teen to an adult. This first episode will mainly focus on my experience with mental health, when it started and where it is now. Before I dive into my story, I would like to introduce myself. I'm a social media expert for a wonderful company called Caregiver Care Kit. I've been with this company for roughly two years now, and for those who don't know about Caregiver Care Kit, it is a coaching consulting agency that also offers workshops and courses for those looking for help with their caregiving journey. If you are interested, I will leave a link in the description for you to check out. I wanted to start this podcast for many reasons. Mostly to self-reflect and to share my stories with others. Um, I am not a doctor nor a psychiatrist as colleges. I'm just a person that has suffered a lot, especially with childhood trauma. For a very long time... It took me a while to really face my mental health and to even speak about it. Roughly about a month ago, I did record an episode for my podcast. And after I recorded it, I was left feeling very distraught overwhelmed I was crying I was depressed for days because it was my very first time actually sitting here face to face with it and sharing my story and I never really I just it's the fact of having to speak of my childhood trauma and really like take it in what I went through I know that it's happened to me but the fact of saying it and realizing, like, wow, this is what really happened to me. Because for many years, I would never wanted to talk about it. I mean, it took me years to, just to get help for my mental health. So having to sit there to really say it out loud was something deeper for me. So... I had to take a break. I immediately deleted my episode. I thought that maybe I would be judged for it. People wouldn't understand. And I felt like that was my fight or flight mode that kicked in. And I never, I never wanted to give up. I wanted to try again because I know sharing my story will also help me with my healing journey and I hope that it would inspire others. Before I really dive into my story, I wanted to make it very clear once again that I am not a doctor, a psychologist, anything like that. Um, I will be talking about sensitive subjects so please feel free to leave this episode if you feel overwhelmed or very triggered by anything I'm talking about. Um, your safety, your health is more important. I never fully understood how I started to feel depression or anxiety. I really took notice of my symptoms when I was Probably around 18 or 19 years old um, and I wanted to know why I felt different from others I wanted to know why I felt more sad or I experienced anxiety when it came to doing certain things like going to the mall and my hands started to get clammy and the crowds are starting to make my heart race and my friends at that time just always looked at me weird as like I was this weird girl that's scared to be at the mall. Um, so I wanted to I didn't seek professional help until probably a few years ago and I'm in my late twenties now. I kept my mental health symptoms mostly to myself Um, When I was younger, probably in my teen years, I did express my symptoms to my mother who just kind of brushed it off. And I thought nothing of it until growing up and still feeling the way I did and not going away. You know, I, I would constantly ask myself, why do I feel like really sad why do I feel suicidal how come I don't want to talk to anybody why is it so hard for me to get out of bed why is it hard for me to want to go do things with my friends and of course I couldn't really express myself to my friends either because I felt there would be judgment So when I was finally ready to face what I was going through and finally reaching out for help, I came across this wonderful doctor or psychiatrist I met. And I am still seeing him to this day. He's a phenomenal psychiatrist. who really opened my eyes more to mental health and the symptoms of it, where it started, how to control it, which controlling is still something I struggle to this day. But I wanted to know where it started and the levels of it growing up. And when I was speaking to my psychiatrist, probably roughly maybe a year ago about this conversation, I asked him, when do you think my mental health started? And he thought it was a bit of a trick question in a way, but he asked me simple, what is the first memory that you have when you look back in your childhood? And I sat there and I was thinking, immediately a memory came to mind. So I'm going to start with that memory and continue my story. And like I've mentioned before, please feel free to exit this podcast if you ever feel uncomfortable. Um, Your safety and your health is important to me, and I always want to make sure that everyone's okay. I was roughly about six or seven years old. And I had a... Older sister, and I lived with my parents. And sometimes my half brother, who was from my father's side, would come and live with us. He would come and go constantly, but we lived in this big house in a small town. Everybody knew everyone. And I remember this one day, it was summertime. I was in the living room with my sister and we were just watching TV. And in the hallway by the living room there was an argument happening between my mom and dad. And it came to a point that I heard my mom screaming. So I got up and I looked, and I remember peeking around the corner and I seeing and witnessing my father pinning my mom up against the wall and choking her. And I'm starting to look more and more. Instead of peeking, I'm now standing there watching this happen. And my sister came over to me and started to grab me to make me look away and come back to the couch and watch TV. But... I wanted to keep watching because I was so confused what I was seeing. Why is my mom crying? Why is my dad so mad? And my sister took me to the couch and she was covering my ears. And I remember it left me feeling very scared. I remember crying. I didn't understand anything. But this was just the beginning. This was just the start of the abuse that I would witness and also experience for myself. Um, My father was very mentally and physically abusive. He was a very intimidating guy. If you look at him the wrong way, he will let you know. He was not scared of anything or anybody. Even if you were showing emotion, if you were crying, you would be punished immediately for it. And as for my mom, she was also terrified of this monster that I like to refer to as my dad. He would make sure that... I felt like to my dad we were just... I guess puppets, he wanted the public to see that we were this perfect family, but behind closed doors, it was, he didn't want to play anymore. It's get out of my way kind of sensation I would get. Growing up, my family and I, we tend to move a lot. It was mostly for my dad's job. But looking back now, sometimes I wonder if my dad was running from something running from his past how we would constantly get up and move we would only stay at our home for roughly a year if we can even make it to a year and because of moving so much that's what also caused me to have anxiety having to start a new school make new friends and then when you're finally settled, you get up and move again. And then you restart this whole process again. Making new friends, starting your school, you move. And it became at a time where maybe I was around 9 or 10 years old that I gave up being excited to go to my new school. I gave up making new friends. Because I knew that once I get comfortable, it would be taken away from me again. So I just kept to myself, looked down, and just let the world around me continue to go. Well, I just stood still because I gave up trying. And I became more shy, I became more quiet. My father told my family and I that we were going to be moving to a big city. This would be my first time living in a big city and also in a different province. I was really nervous and scared based on the fact that I was used to living in a small town constantly. It's really what I knew was a small town, not much noise. When we get to this new city, I was so overwhelmed, but I was also very intrigued by the fact that there were so many stores and so many cars, it was just a very busy city, and I was thinking to myself at that time, I think it was roughly about 10 or 11 now, that you know, why is the city so busy? Where's everyone going? <laughs> um, so it was actually our first time living in a house again in a long time because we would previously we would live um, in trailers, apartments, townhouses. So moving back into a actual house, like the one I grew up in. I was a bit excited, I was happy, I felt like maybe this would be our forever home, but unfortunately it was just the beginning of my nightmares, and this home was by a very extremely busy road, and I remember being so scared to cross the street because there was cars constantly coming and going throughout the day and night and also ambulances coming and fire trucks. So there was so much noise, so much going on and I remember it just left me so scared. I didn't even really go outside to play just because I was just too scared to go outside. (laughs) And for a while I felt very comfortable. I started to feel settled again. And at this time Living in this new home in the big city. My father told my sister and I that our half-brother is coming to live with us. And I was really confused why he was coming back again. This, um, I'm not going to say his real name, but I am going to refer to him as Sam. So Sam was... Um, a very ruthless, wild child I guess you would say he would be constantly coming and going um at this time I didn't know what he was doing just because I was so young so I don't remember and um I I did feel kind of excited to have another sibling in the house, he is much older than my sister and I um but I was also confused where he would be staying because we lived in a house, but it wasn't a very big house. And the structure of it was very um, interesting. So, when you walk into this home, the living room's to the left and to the right, you go down this hall and there's a bathroom. My sister and I's bedroom. Through the living room is the kitchen. And then you go down these stairs and it's my parents' bedroom. So, my parents' bedroom was on a different floor so they didn't get to really hear much they had their own privacy so I was thinking to myself well where is this person going to stay and at this time I didn't really have a, a strong bond with Sam just because he would continuously go in and out of our lives so I didn't really think about this person much um, so this person does Sam, he moves in and he was sleeping on the couch and I do recall that he was a very messy person (laughs) he wasn't really cleaning up after himself Um, he did drink a lot he was into very hardcore drugs so this was kinda just the beginning of the nightmare of this person coming into our home and making more of, more damage. And this person, Sam, he would bring random people to our home when my parents weren't home, if they went grocery shopping or they went over to a friend's house. So Sam would constantly bring random people over they'll have a little party and this is when he would make sure my sister and I are in our bedrooms and if we were to leave we would be screamed at so his character was very aggressive Um, again I felt like kind of here we go again with being scared not feeling not feeling settled, not feeling like this is a home because the only time that I actually felt like I was at home was when I was six in that small town in my big house it's the only time I felt like I was at home and after all the moves we had, I never felt settled. And I was excited about this little house in the big city because I thought it would be a home again. Because it was very similar similar to our old house. But I didn't feel like that. I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel like I was at home. I felt like I was just this little person living there. And I felt very neglected by my parents. And what I mean by neglected is they didn't really care about my sister and I's needs. Um, They never really checked in with us as parents should. They never cared to see if we were okay. Um, it was kind of like we were mostly independent. And my sister would actually somewhat take care of me. She would make sure I would eat. Sometimes she would pack my lunch for school to make sure I was bathed and cleaned. I never had a mother-daughter relationship nor a father-daughter and relationship at this time. So I was already scared to even say what's on my mind, especially to my father. So I just kind of had to get used to the fact that the Sam person's now quote-unquote in my home acting foolish and scaring my sister and I while my parents were away. Around this time is when I experienced for the first time of sexual abuse by Sam. This one night, I had the flu. I was very sick, and I was calling out for my mom. But again, my parents' bedroom were in the basement. So Sam came in the room and noticed that I was very sick. I was crying. I was in pain. So I thought he was acting very kind and he was trying to take care of me. And he told me to come out in the living room and watch TV with him. And this is where the sexual abuse occurred. Midway through the abuse, I quickly got up and I ran to my bedroom and closed the door behind me. I sat on my bed and I went under the covers and I looked out the window that's right next to my bed and I remember looking at the moon and then looking away and thinking to myself what just happened and why do I feel weird and I didn't like the feeling I experienced from this And I remember I didn't sleep much. I was just holding on to this teddy bear under the covers, and I remember I kept looking at my bedroom door constantly if he was going to come back and hurt me more. When the morning came, it was very early in the morning, I got up quietly and I opened my bedroom door to peek and see if my brother was sleeping in the living room, and he was. So I quietly passed him, going into the kitchen to go down the stairs. I went to my mom's side of the bed. And I remember going on my knees, looking over at her bed, trying to see her face. Her face was covered by the blanket. And I was whispering, Mom, to her. Because I didn't want to wake up my dad. When my mom finally woke up, I whispered in her ear what happened, what Sam did to me. She sat up and quickly said, what? And I remember looking at my dad with fear in my eyes, wondering if he was going to wake up and yell at me. When my mom woke up my dad, I remember covering my face because I didn't want to see his reaction. I was preparing myself to be yelled at and spanked and punished severely when my mom told my dad what occurred my father sat up quickly and he looked very confused but he also didn't look surprised so he got dressed and he went upstairs and I don't really recall what happened I remember just sitting there And after a while, I went upstairs quietly and I see my dad sitting in the living room talking to my brother. And I remember my brother crying, but for some reason I didn't feel sorry for him. Because I know that what he did to me wasn't the first time. Because I know there was other people he did this to. I was just one of his little victims, I guess. After the conversation was done between Sam and my father, Sam came up to me and patted me on the head and smirked and said sorry. I looked at my dad and my dad was busy doing something in the living room and I looked at I looked up at Sam and I just looked at him I didn't say anything besides just staring at his eyes and I remember I went to my room and that was the last time it was ever brought up so going back into my bedroom after what just occurred my parents never came to talk to me about it it was like it was a dirty secret in our family and it needed to be kept hush no one ever explained to me what happened and why it happened but the real question is how come this person was never kicked out of the home especially since this isn't the first time but at this age I didn't really think like that I just continue my day. I continue what any child would do. Go out and play and just act like it never happened. Since that's what my parents wanted. I thought that was just life. I thought that was normal. Roughly a year later, Sam finally moved out. did his own thing and around this time my father needed to move again so overhearing my parents talking about moving again I already went to my bedroom and I started taking my posters off the wall, started rolling them up started packing, gathering all my things but This time was different because my parents told my sister and I that we were going to be moving to a small town in this big, big, beautiful house. And once again, I was excited. And I remember asking my dad, is Sam coming? And he said, no, he's not coming. He's not going to be coming anymore. And I actually felt excitement. I felt like something lifted off my shoulders and I was just so hyped. And I couldn't wait to see what this new home would be like. Maybe a better start. Maybe we'll start to feel like a family. So we finally moved to our new home in a different town. A much quieter town. And this home was beautiful, and I was so excited, especially having my own bathroom that I didn't have to share with my sister. (laughs) And I actually felt like this was the beginning of something new. I started to make friends. I was more happy at school. Until the abuse started again, physical abuse with my father. I came home from school and I needed help with my homework. So I thought I would ask my mom when we were eating at the table if she could help me with my homework after dinner. So, I asked her, and quickly my father interrupted the conversation and said that he would help in a very aggressive tone. And immediately after dinner, he told me to go to my backpack and grab my homework. And I remember clenching my hands up into a ball, just squeezing my hand, and I felt very scared. So... I quickly ran to my backpack and grabbed my homework and I brought it to the dining table and my father was looking over at my homework and instead of teaching me he was yelling at me for the answers it was just math and I didn't understand because I needed help to learn how to do it but instead I was being told I need to be writing the answers down. But I didn't know the answers. So my father kept asking me over and over and over again, repeatedly asking, what is the answer? And each time that he would ask, his tone gets higher and higher and more angry. And this is when the physical abuse started. Every time I got the answer wrong, I would be hit hard on the head. And this is when I started to be very overwhelmed, very stimulated. I started crying to the point that I couldn't even speak or breathe properly. I was petrified. I had my hands clenching onto the chair. My father went to close the door in the dining room. And then that's when he pushed me out of my chair and onto the floor and he started kicking me. And the name calling started. As as I'm laying there screaming and crying while my father continued to kick me, I remember crying out for my mom. But she never came. And in our dining room there was a mirror and I remember looking at the mirror, watching my father hit me and kick me. And I th- thought that I wonder if I should distract him, get up quickly, and run out the door and just run away. But I was scared to death that he would hurt me, as he already is. I was scared he was going to hurt me more severely. When he was finally done kicking me and hitting me he went into the kitchen so he opened up the dining room door and went to the kitchen to grab something to drink and I remember he was lighting up a cigarette. My mom came into the kitchen and asked him to stop and he refused he kept saying no and then started to call me names my father sent me to my room after and I remember laying there crying my eyes out and a while later my father came down he apologized to me and I told him dad you need to stop hurting me so he made a promise that he would never hurt me again which this wasn't the first time we promised but of course I was holding on to that hope my father told me to come upstairs and watch TV and I remember a family guy playing on the TV and I was watching it but I mostly just didn't want to get yelled at if I said no. I remember my body being really sore, as I'm laying there watching TV. I didn't take my eyes off of it, because I was scared to look at my dad and be punished again. After the episode was over, I said I was going to bed, I got up, I was heading towards to go downstairs to my bedroom and my father grabbed my arm and he told me, make sure that you're covered up tomorrow before you go to school in a very aggressive tone. And I just nodded at him and I went to my room. Keep in mind that this was pretty much summertime So it's like maybe a month before school is about to end or a few weeks before school is about to end. So the next day, I got up for school and I remember wearing a very long sleeve shirt with a jacket over. And I went to school and nobody asked me anything. In the meantime, all the other kids are wearing shorts and t-shirts, and here I am, all bundled up in the heat. But once again, no one ever said anything to me. Throughout my whole childhood and being abused or suffering mental health, the schools that I've been to or attended never Never took notice, never asked. Even though there was a few teachers that did notice, my behavior was a bit strange. Not wanting to make friends. Always being by myself with projects. Sometimes I wonder if were they scared to ask, or they just didn't bother to care to ask what's wrong. Throughout my childhood, I was severely abused by my father when it came to punishment. Um, I would be spanked by anything, belt, spoon, which looking back, that was quite normal in a lot of families to be punished like that. But sometimes I wonder if family members took advantage of that. And kind of took it to another level of of punishment. Now, I know there could be a lot of mixed opinions, but I never truly believed in hurting a child when it comes to punishment. Um, I do feel like a lot of parents take advantage of the situation, even over the smallest things. I was, this one time I remember being spanked severely just because I took some flowers out of the garden. And I noticed it was mostly me that was being punished compared to my sister. And I never understood why. I was always a really good kid, at least what I like to believe. I was very quiet, kept to myself. But if I showed an emotion, I would be punished. If I cried, my dad would make sure that I was punished for crying, for feeling sad, mad. Anything, I would be punished for. Which is something now that I suffer as an adult, is showing expression, showing emotion. If. I needed to talk to someone, I find it very hard to express myself because I'm scared of that feeling that I'm going to be punished. We often hide our pain from those closest to us. Sharing our pain with them would feel like a giant burden being lifted from our shoulders. But it's hard to open up. I can only speak for myself, but opening up was something that I could never do. I could never open up about my childhood trauma, my sexual abuse story, because I just didn't want to face it. I put all that abuse, all that trauma behind a closed door in my mind, and I pretended it never happened to me. But because I chose to do that, I feel like that's when my depression anxiety took, took full control of my whole mind and also my body. Probably when I was about to turn maybe 17 or 18 is when I fully felt the depths of mental health meaning by I fully experienced depression anxiety PTSD all that and I started to close off a lot of relationships um, I know I would get attached quickly to someone who would pay attention to me but then later on i would just quickly leave that person out of nowhere no reason just i just i couldn't do it anymore having friendships and relationships was really hard for me cuz the fact of having to put effort into it even trying to date in my teens was very hard for me I was treated like crap by a lot of men. I suffered trauma in middle school. So back in middle school, I was friends with this boy who was in a higher grade than me. And I remember I immediately saw him and I just like, fell in love with this boy <laughs> I was I remember just watching him in the hallways I thought he was so cute and but I never tried to talk to him I didn't bother with it until one day I saw him standing waiting for the city bus to come and I had to stand there as well and wait and he was talking to me and I was just so excited that this person is talking to me and we, you know, gave each other's phone numbers and we kept in touch. We were talking for a few weeks and he would constantly give me hugs and I just felt so, like, loved. I showed, it was that affection that made me so excited. But little did I know that this person... Only had one thing on their mind. So, after a few weeks of talking, I remember it was before lunch was about to start, and he texted me to meet him, you know, in the back entrance of the school. So I said, Yeah, of course. So, when that time came, I went outside and I was waiting for him. I remember it was in February, it was very cold. No one wasn't really outside. And he came and he was giving me a hug and, you know, asking how I'm doing and all that. And he told me to follow him that he knows a secret spot. Which I thought was a bit strange, but I'm like, okay, all right. You know, I was thinking that I finally made a friend. I really like this person. So I followed them. And he took me across the field and there was this little area that was kind of blocked off, it was like a a little shed and he went around the back of the shed where no one can see and before I can even turn around the corner to catch up to him, this person immediately grabbed me and pinned me up against the wall and he tried to take my clothes off And he was just grabbing me and doing, like, inappropriate things to me. And I was just so, like, confused and I tried to escape and I was grabbed, thrown back against the wall. And my friend at that time saw me leave the school and saw me go across the field. So she was catching up and went... When this person took notice of my friend approaching, he quickly got up and left. He got up all his things, his backpack, and he just went and left without saying a word. And I'm standing there with half of my sweater off, and my whole body was stiff and frozen. My friend's like, oh my god, what happened? Did you guys kiss and all that? And... I'm just standing there staring at the wall, just scared. And I'm looking at her, and I can see her expression went from excitement to, oh no. And I looked at her, and I just started going back to the school. And she was asking me all these questions, and I didn't know how to answer them. So I'm sitting in class, and I remember kind of looking down on my phone to see if this person texted me, which they didn't. But everyone kept asking, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I told my friend, I'll tell you in next period. So next period came, I remember it was health class. And as I was walking to class, I grabbed my friend and we went to the bathroom real quickly. And I made sure no one was around. I was telling my friend what happened, and she was just so stunned to hear. And she said, Well, there's a lot of people talking about him, saying that he's some player that does this to girls. And she told me not to worry about it. And I said, no, this felt different. He was trying to do things to me. And I kept saying no to him and he continued. I said, something just something didn't feel right. And she said, maybe I should go to the principal office and speak to someone. And I was petrified. I said I couldn't. And as I was going into more detail about What this person did to my friend. One of the girls came in and heard part of the conversation and she wanted to know more about it. I told my friend let's get to class and so after class it was time to go home so I grabbed my stuff and I went home and I told my mom what happened. She called up my father, who was busy on the road from his job. And my mom didn't say anything to him about what this person did to me at school. And I told my mom, like, you have to tell him. I don't know what to do. And for some reason, I felt comfortable telling my father about what happened. I thought maybe he would understand because I was able to talk to him before About what Sam did to me. But after my mom got off the phone, she never said anything to him. I was confused. So I asked her, why didn't you tell him? And her answer was, I don't know. Again, she was brushing it off. So I grabbed the phone. I was building up courage to tell him. My dad picks up the phone and I explained to him what happened. He told me to immediately call the police. And he said, Call the police and call me back. So I got off the phone with them. I'm like, The police? Call the police? And I was even more scared. My anxiety was starting to run through my body. So my mom called the police for me because I was too scared and I was still really young and the next day that the police came and I wrote down my statement and all that and this person was charged and that situation was taken care of this person was removed from the school but unfortunately that one girl that heard the conversation in the bathroom decided to tell the whole school and I guess the popular girls would bully me for it, make fun of me for it. And... That's when I started to do self-harm to myself. I remember going into the bathroom at my house and lighting up a bobby pin putting it on my arm and it was like some sort of way to comfort myself I was crying for days because everybody knew my story I asked my mom if I could just skip school with her for a few days. And she didn't ask why or anything. she just said, "Sure, like she didn't care. So I was like, okay. When I returned to school after a few days, it felt like things were calmed down until a social worker started pulling me out of classes to discuss this abuse that happened with this person and then that's when people started talking again and asking who is this person and why are you seeing them? I didn't even know what to say I just looked at them and just didn't say anything and this woman I was speaking to the social worker she was very polite, very pleasant her and I had a lot in common and she was really helping me I really enjoyed seeing her And then all of a sudden, she just stopped seeing me with no explanation, not explaining why. It was just, and I felt like I lost a friend again. And once again, I just kept to myself. Self harm was introduced to me at a very young age. Um, I had a friend. I'm going to call her Jessica. She actually taught me about self harm. She was about the same age as me, in the same grade. And she actually taught me how to do it. And she said, You'll feel better after. And she showed me many ways of doing it. And that's when I was actually starting to be become very interested and it was something that I started doing up until my early 20s so from my teens to my 20s I was constantly doing it and to this day no one still doesn't know I was doing that no one ever found out about it It was a way for me to comfort myself from all the pain and all the trauma I experienced. From my very abusive childhood to my sexual abuse stories, being treated poorly by, you know, friends and the bullies. I felt like it was really me against the world. I was this solo person fighting my own battles and I couldn't fight them. I felt I was very vulnerable to the world and how people looked at me. And I felt like a lot of people took advantage of that. I was this nice person, but also a weak person. Roughly around end of middle school, probably beginning of high school around there for me, that's when my father was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And it was just the beginning of his cancer journey. My father did receive some surgeries to fix the prostate cancer, to slow it down, which it did help and he was fine again but I remember caring for my father because my mother didn't understand my mother was um, she had her she has learning disabilities so she didn't fully understand which is why I was neglected a lot as a child Um. Probably a few years after my dad was diagnosed with prostate cancer, he was also diagnosed with terminal colon cancer. And that's kind of where my caregiving journey took full place, is the full experience of watching my dad go through chemotherapy and surgeries, and watching him be sick and lose his hair, um, and losing so much weight, and then gaining weight, and then Him feeling sick all the time, having to take care of him, feed him, bathe him. And going to all the doctor's appointments. Seeing my dad in the bed at the hospital after surgery. It was so traumatic for me to witness all that while being in school. So here I am taking care of my father, and now also making sure I'm getting my schoolwork done. And at this time, that's when I lost all connection with my friends. My friends were fully aware of what happened with my father, but decided not to show any support. Which is fine. Because at that time, I was used to being alone anyway, so it didn't bother me anymore. But I, also looking back in a way that might sound rude is my high school years was taken away from me because I was a caregiver for my father which also at this time I didn't even know I was a caregiver my older sister chose not to take care of my dad she went on her own path of of her own struggles, which I'm not going to speak of, but she chose a different path that I didn't want to be part of. So here I am, very young, in high school, taking care of my dad, making sure that the house is clean, my dad is fed, while my mom is doing her own thing. It was a lot for me to handle into experience this one time my dad was getting a very major surgery done on his liver and my dad asked for a family friend to make sure that my mom and I are okay I'm going to refer to this person as Phil the family friend And Phil was a very strange character. I didn't mind him too much. But he was nice to talk to. But when my father was in the hospital, after getting his surgery done, and I was getting ready to go see him, this Phil person decided to make inappropriate comments to me about my body. In front of my mother as well. And I was just stunned. I'm like, why, like, thinking to myself, why now? And of course, I was scared to say something. I was scared to speak my mind. I mean, my father is in the hospital getting, just came out of this major surgery. I was already scared if he was, if he's okay, if he's going to make it. And this person, Phil, is making these comments at me. so I just I didn't say anything I got my stuff and we went to Phil's car because he was going to take my mom and I to the hospital meanwhile the drive from my home to the hospital this is when I felt really uncomfortable because Phil was looking in the mirror looking at me constantly throughout the whole drive and I tried my best to look away, and I remember putting my earbuds in so I could listen to music to distract myself that this person was watching me. We finally get to the hospital, and I was quickly getting out of the car, grabbing my stuff, going to the hospital with my mom. I went to see my dad in the room. I was standing next to his bed. I was talking to him, holding his hand. He was in and out, not really there, but also there. And Phil came next to me, standing right next to me, and he decided to put his hand on my back and started to slowly move his hand down to grab my butt. And I looked over at him, and I just kind of you know, pushed his arm away, and I'm just giving him this one nasty look like, Like, why? And of course, I didn't want to say anything because my father's right there. Just came out of major surgery. But once again, my mom witnessed the whole thing and didn't say anything either. A few days after, I decided to start taking Ubers to the hospital by myself. I didn't want to be associated with this person anymore. And when I was sitting in the chair next to my dad, just kind of looking out the window very quiet my father woke up from his nap and looked over at me and asked me what's wrong I said nothing nothing's wrong dad he's like I know there's something wrong what's wrong I said this is not the place or time dad he's like tell me he demanded and kept asking and so I told him what happened and what his his friend did to me and I remember he just looked so angry and mad. And he couldn't do anything. And I felt so bad telling my dad after. And after our conversation, he called up my mom yelling at him. And from there, we just, my dad demanded that we just take an Uber to the hospital if we get a fill. few weeks later, when my dad finally came home from the hospital, Phil thought it was a good idea to come by. And at this time, Phil didn't wasn't aware of why we started to take Ubers or we just kind of stopped talking to him. He was very unaware. And my dad confronted him about what he did to me. But I realized... You know, my father he he stood up he stood up for me when it came to Phil and when it came to the person that harmed me in middle school but why he never stood up against Sam, my half brother. And I felt very uncomfortable. Like I didn't understand. And I was speechless. He was able to stand up against these other people, but why not him? The one who did most of the damage. During this time, I haven't spoken or seen my half-brother for a very long time. There was this one memory... I was debating to bring up in this podcast, but after what Sam did to me, and right before we were about to move again, Sam was now living in his own own apartment in the big city. He had his own place. And before we were about to move, Sam requested for me to sleep over. At this time, my parents knew what Sam has already done to me months prior. And of course, my parents said, that's fine. And I was forced to sleep over at Sam's apartment. And I remember being really scared. But I went over there by myself, alone, with Sam. And I remember he was asking me, like, are you hungry? And I said, yeah, I'm I'm hungry. So he started to make dinner. And he only made hamburgers. Just the patty, no bun, nothing. Just the patty. And he wasn't eating, but it was just me eating. And the next thing I know, it, it was morning. And I have no... Memory or anything what happened after I ate that patty and to this day I try not to think of that memory and what this person probably had done to me I try not to think about it but I also can wrap my head around the fact that my parents allowed this to happen they allowed me to sleep over at this person's house just us two alone. And going back to wondering why my dad stood up against these other people but not Sam, my father did continue to have a bond with him, which did annoy me a lot. And after my father got off the phone one time speaking to Sam, I exploded, I couldn't take it anymore and I said, how could you talk to this person knowing that they hurt not just me but other people in this family and I was just in tears and I remember running to the bathroom crying my eyes out and my father had nothing to say besides the fact that he told me that growing up in his generation it was very taboo to talk about but I still didn't understand he was able to face these other monsters but why not this one a few years ago my father passed away from cancer and It left me with a lot of questions unanswered. But what really scarred me the most was going to see my father's empty shell laying in the hospital bed, deceased. And I remember prior to going to see him, I was debating whether or not I wanted to but I knew I had to say goodbye I knew I had to say that this is the end of this chapter I thought maybe saying my goodbye and forgiving him for all the trauma, all the abuse all the lies was going to help me move on but little did I know it made everything worse. After my father died, I for months after I was I kept to myself. We were left my mom and I we were left with nothing. We didn't know where to start, we didn't know what to do. My father made sure that he was the bread maker in the family, that He had the most money, and he would pay everything off. My mom didn't work. At this time, I recently left my job. So there was no income coming into this household now. And of course, my mom was having a learning disability. I had to figure out her situation, and I had to put myself back. I couldn't put myself first. And I made sure my mom was okay. Okay. But then when everything was fine with my mom and I made sure that there was income coming in for her, I lost myself. I completely shattered. I went into a very deep, deep depression to the point that I stopped talking to close friends and family and I shut myself off from the world for a while for a good six months I became more aggressive I became more mean I refused to talk about my feelings I refused to talk about my dad because at this time I was very angry with my father because he didn't have a will he had nothing for my mom and I and prior to his passing years before I kept mentioning to my dad about having a will because you never know the outcome of cancer and the stages of it and how it will affect you and I wanted my father to make sure that he had everything set up and prepared for it, especially for my mom I mostly was concerned about my mom and he just kept brushing off yeah yeah I will will," and it never happened and I was left cleaning up after my dad I had to mop everything up I had to close this chapter by myself and there were certain family members that would harass my mom and I for many things but one was mostly about money everyone thought my dad had money for them but they didn't there was nothing, there was no money and dealing with that and being six months into my deep depression I was sent to the emergency at a hospital where I saw a psychiatrist there and we talked and I slowly opened myself to this doctor about everything. And he wrote down numbers for me to call to get help. And that's when I came across this phenomenal psychiatrist that really opened up my eyes. And. To this day, I still suffer from depression. I still suffer from anxiety. I suffer from flashbacks of my childhood. And I knew that this was going to be a new chapter. It was just going to be my mom and I, and I was terrified. But like I mentioned, after those six months, I got up one morning. And I said, I just can't. I can't be like this anymore. I can't feel like this anymore. My mom and I moved to a better location where no one knows where we are. A better change of phone numbers. I just wanted a whole fresh start for us so we can both heal. My mom is seeking help help that she should have received a long time ago that she's finally getting now and I'm finally able to work on myself and I had to do a lot of growing up I had to be quote unquote the man of the house I had to take charge of everything be responsible and I was never ready for it But I was able to. I I was able to do it all. And looking back, I still don't know how I did it. But I had to push myself. I knew that my journey isn't over and that it's just the beginning. I'm still taking one day at a time. And I'm still getting to know more about my mental health and how to control it and how to respond when times are tough and it's still something I struggle with. My depression is what takes over me the most. I've had certain family members ask me about depression and I find that's very hard to explain. I kind of look at it as this shadow that hovers over me that sometimes comes and goes and there's times that it just stays for a while and explaining that to someone that's never experienced depression they just kind of look at you in a funny way or some, some others might be interested get to know it more but From my understanding, it's just this big shadow that likes to hover over me and it takes control of my surroundings and myself. And I just put my own self behind a closed door and the shadow takes over me. I've always been a very sensitive person and I become easily triggered and very emotional to certain things that people will say to me and I take it very deeply to heart and I'm trying to work on myself to not take people's opinions to heart to not take people's judgment but again, it's it's just so hard for me to not respond to that I tend to put on a smile when behind my mask, I'm just wanting to run away, or wanting to cry, wanting to get out of the situation, and I know for a fact, if I show my true emotion to a certain person to what they have to say i get they would get very judgmental or very confused as to why i became very emotional So sometimes I would just pretend sometimes I would even hide it there's days where I would be so deep in my depression and no one will ever know I don't want that to be exposed to that person I don't want them to know I feel like that because I know that they wouldn't understand especially being taught at a very young age by my father that if you show emotion you get punished for and that's something that's always stayed with me too, as an adult now, is that if I show emotion to even my mother or my partner, I would be petrified to know what their response would be. I sometimes still struggle to open up. I, only a few people know in my life what I have gone through and sometimes I just don't want to say anything because I don't want people to feel sorry for me or poor Audrey, poor this I don't want any of that I don't want people to feel sorry for me I don't want the attention on me I just wanted to be looked at as a normal person but of course what is normal? normal I'm trying to teach myself that everything I've been through all of the things I experience and witness in my life I can turn out into something inspiring I went from being a survivor to a fighter I fought my way through many things many battles And it took me a very long time to be able to say that. I've let people walk all over me and treat me poorly. And I was taking um, some advice from my psychiatrist on how to deal with people who take advantage of others due to their um, mental state. And once I tried those exercises, his advice that the psychiatrist provided for me, I felt like I was overcoming certain obstacles that I was never able to do. I was finally able to accept everything that's happened to me. But just because I was able to accept it doesn't mean I was able to face it in a way. I accepted what happened, but I don't know if I'm ready to really face my fear and talk about it. But I know I was ready to face my mental health. I wanted to. I wanted to beat it. I wanted to overcome it. I want to be able to control it when it happens. But I know if I wanted to control it, I have to face it what happened to me I have to gain my power back but the question that always came to mind is is how? how do I face this huge monster full of all of my trauma my all all of my emotions I experienced as a kid that I should have never experienced Some, some people sometimes assume that there's a time scale and that you have to be better within a certain amount of time. I believe every individual is different and everyone deals with things in different ways. I mean, I've experienced doctors who are trained in mental health that I've seen that don't even know how to help me. I've had a doctor tell me to look up medicine medication for mental health and he told me it's scary and that that's also what prevented me from getting help I've had people tell me that I'm looking for attention or that some people don't even believe what happened to me And I've had also people tell me to look at these programs for mental health or sexual abuse. And I just was like already running out the door. (laughs) I did not want to look it up. I did not want to think about it. Some of the things I would see online would be the Me Too movement. And I thought this was perfect. Finally, that there's people speaking out about their stories. But I knew I wasn't going to try to. I knew I didn't want any part of it. But the thought of it was beautiful. And I was so inspired by these people who were able to speak out. But had no courage to do so. The thought of it would just make me want to crawl up in a ball. Put a blanket over myself and just not talk about it. I refuse to talk about it and I wanted to push my limits I wanted to do this podcast I wanted to say out loud what happened to me I want to heal I want to move on I don't want this to be something that's like a a a wound that keeps on opening up every now and then I want that to be fully healed I want to have a better life for myself and for my future if I was to have kids one day I want to be able to be strong enough but having to face it and how long it's taken me to face it I thought that I could never I thought it was too late for myself but it's never too late to get help it's never too late to speak to someone it may have taken me a very long time and unfortunately in this world it's all about finding the right people to help you I've had people close doors on me I've had people state state their opinion on me when they had no right to and every time I was knocked down I had to get back up. And I know I had to keep trying. I had to keep fighting. I can't let this get the best of me. And I was scared that one day, if I didn't seek help, if I didn't talk to people, if I would still be here. There was a few attempts in my life that I tried to take my life, especially in my teens. Um, My father took very strong medication for his cancer and I would steal some of his medication and I would go into the bathroom um, and take large amounts of it or i would try to harm myself in a way that i would bleed out it was it was a cry for help and i was scared to say something to this day my mom still doesn't know some of the things i've done because i knew she was one of the people i couldn't talk to because i knew she wouldn't understand and trying to talk to my father about it again showing emotion you would be punished even as an adult um, his way of punishing at that time was manipulating he would just make you feel comfortable and then took advantage of it and make you feel bad he would act like he's supporting but then later on make fun of you for it and that's something my father would constantly do um, my father was also like a bully to me growing up. He would always make fun of my weight. He would always make comments about the way I look. And that left me with very low self-esteem. I had none. But everything that I should have learned as a child and should experience experienced as a child, like love and affection, happiness... Is something I'm finally learning to do as an adult. And it hasn't been easy, it's, there's been many challenges for myself. But that's why I'm taking one step at a time. I still have days that are really hard, and I am aware that I can quite easily go back into a deep depression. But I just have to remind myself of my future purpose. I wanted to be a role model, and I wanted to help children and young people who are in dysfunctional families, because I know what it's like to be in one. I have to remind myself that there are people out there that need me to make it, so that they can hear my story and be impacted by it. I'm just taking each day as it comes, and one step at a time, and sometimes that's all you can do, and that's okay. I just wanted to give a big thank you to everyone who made it towards the end of the podcast and for listening and staying. Um, In my next episode, I wanted to discuss more about mental health in public schooling and what it was like and share my story and experience. I really hope that sharing my story will help you in any way, whatever you may take from this podcast um if you feel like you have suicide thoughts or you really need to talk to someone please look search up on who you can talk to in your province or in your country about getting help on your mental health or who to talk to again i just want to say thank you so much i will talk to you guys in the next podcast thanks